Do I get to hear the jazzy pre-music? I love the jazzy pre-music. So I think this is going to be the final episode of this year. Pressure. Today I have our principal, Jason Smith, with us today, and I'm excited to hear. Uh, we're going to make it, I don't know if candid is the right word, but we're going to pick <laughs> his brain as teachers listening to an administrator. We hear you every week in, or almost every week in faculty meeting, but I, I want to give the opportunity for the faculty to hear your background, your story, your reason why you're a teacher or in administration now. And uh, some of your perspectives that I think sometimes teachers think, oh, the district this or, oh, the state that, if there's any kind of insight that you have there. So uh, welcome to the podcast. The typical format of this is to just tell us about how you got into education, what kind of student were you, um, what your path has been like, how long you've been doing it, all those things. Thanks for having me, first of all. And thank you, Dave, for doing these. I think they're, I hope the faculty's heard me. I think they're just awesome. In, in many ways. And I think it's a safe space for teachers to talk, share some things. So I appreciate that. Um, I got into education for the fame and the money, like, every, <laughs> like everybody else did. I got into education, and I think this happens to a lot of people, really looking back, it was because of a couple specific teachers that had a huge impact, not only on me, but they made the job look like, oh my gosh, I think I kind of want to do this. Yeah. Uh, one in particular, I still remember to this day. Uh, I've seen him, actually ran into him a few years ago golfing. His name was Bill Simpson, eighth grade history teacher, Centerville Junior High, go Chargers. Um, he was retired in military, so teaching was his you know, second career. Yeah. If I had to guess, maybe he was 50-ish, late 40s coming in. And the thing about uh, Mr. Simpson is he wasn't uh, – you know, he didn't do like these amazing things in the classroom or he just the way he treated us. I mean, we're a bunch of eighth graders. Right. Keep in mind. And he treated us like we were older than we were. And he seemed to respect um, what we thought and our opinions. And of course, it was history. I've always been a history um, kind of geek, so to speak, even in elementary school. I loved history was my favorite subject. And then the rest of them were just kind of there. And yeah. I did that. Um so I had some teachers that inspired me. I went to college like a lot. I think young people do like, I don't know what I want to do, but I'm going to make money. Yeah. Thought about communications for a while, all these different things. And I, and I kept coming back to two things was I wanted to do at that time, I wanted to be around athletics in some capacity, mm -hmm. uh, maybe coaching. And I just kept being drawn back to, I think, you know, I want to be an educator. I want to be in the classroom. And honestly, what prevented me early was money, yeah. the lack of money. And I finally got over the fact like, this is what I want to do. And I think this is going to make me happy. And it has since day one that from the first day I student taught, I was like, I like this. Yeah. Uh, as far as a student, I was, I was pretty good, but these were the days where there wasn't a whole lot of CE and AP and honors. Right. And I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think I would have taken them anyway. <laughs> so yep. I was pretty good at being a general ed, you know, I had a yeah. pretty good GPA. Um, were you an athlete? Yeah, played uh, basketball and baseball and golf in high school. Um, that probably kept me out of trouble. I got into my share of trouble, but I always say I the trouble I got into was typically out of school. Yeah. I was smart enough to keep my nose clean in school, but did stupid things with my buddies out of school. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
So then going into college, not knowing exactly what you wanted to do, but you knew history was it. Is that what you did in school teaching is history? Yeah. Well, I actually have a, a health major and a history uh, minor. I mean, if you want to hear the... <laughs> The truth, because I wanted to be a history major mm -hmm. uh, or some kind of social studies major. At the time, you had to take two years of a foreign language at mm -hmm. the University of Utah to get a bachelor's of arts. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do yeah. it. Yeah. So I, I flip flopped and I was going to have this health minor and I flipped them. And that's what it was. I'm not saying that's the sure. best philosophy, but to avoid two years of a foreign language. I think language, we all did that yeah, in some yeah, way. Yeah. yeah what so do that's I have why. to not do? But yeah, I just, I just still love history. Cool. Yeah. And then administration, what I think a lot of people don't understand what management is until they get into it. Uh, what made you think administration? Oh, it, more, more of money and fame? Well, yeah, <laughs> just increase the, you know, that title and the fame. So I think I was about nine years-ish into my teaching career. And I was like, you know, people going, you really should get your master's. You should get your master's. And I had a couple of people say to me, We'll get it in admin because then, you know, just in case you right. have it to use it. Because I really was not looking at that time to make the jump to admin. I really wasn't. Enjoyed the classroom. I was coaching, enjoyed it. So that's what I did. Um, went through a program, get the admin, you know, endorsement. And then what really started to happen is after I completed it, these opportunities started coming my way. Um, you know, it started, those have been around, remember... Uh, oh gosh! Now I can't even I can't even remem remember the the things the cohorts that they had and the grants that they had, and that led to some leadership possibilities. And then my principal at the time said, "Hey, I'd like to make you into a like a school intern, and I'll set up your schedule to where it was part time, and then the next year it was full time intern, um, and then." All of a sudden, you know, and I was, so I was kind of up to the majors. Yeah. I was kind of worried, like, was the window going to close? Right. Like, you know, uh, I tell people, I think I left the, left the classroom earlier than I wanted. But then again, I don't know if we ever know when we yeah. should leave and make the jump. So, yeah. Just before we get sour, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the I goal guess. is hoping I that guess. we leave before yeah. we're done. Yeah. Um, so what is it that, uh, as an administrator, there's a lot of things that you've got to juggle. And I know coming from restaurant management, it's not just what people see. There's the behind the scenes, there's the budget, there's all of the issues that go on. What is one thing that teachers do that just makes you hit your head against the wall? <laughs> like if there's one thing that you could fix that would just make your day better that teachers do. That's a really... You don't have to call anybody out. <laughs> no, I would never do that. Anyway. That's a really hard question because I don't... We, you know, the staff has heard me joke that there's only three categories of people anymore in my life and students, educators, and dogs that I choose to spend my time with. And, and I really mean that. Um, and I love to be with educators because I believe that every educator... I think anybody in this business has an educate what I call an educator heart. Mm -hmm. And then I've decided... Some of those hearts are right out there for us to all to see all the time. And some you have to do a little bit of dig yeah. digging um, a little bit. I really don't think there's one thing like, oh, my gosh, if teachers would just stop doing this. I, get, I think the only way I can answer that question is I think the times that get challenging for an administrator um, because of something that may or may not have happened, let's say, in the classroom is when – 
teachers don't tap into their educator heart. And, and I'm not judging them because the job beats you up. Yeah. Right. And the wear and tear and the day, you know, the daily call, the daily grind and everything else that keeps getting thrown at us. I think there, it's easy for us to not tap into that heart. But when I, when it comes down to an issue I'm working through, there's always two components. There's maybe this teacher forgot, Hey, your educator heart, right. right. And whatever that means. And then I swear there's always a breakdown of communication somewhere. So, so the way I, way I hear that to decode it just a little bit is that sometimes we get caught up in the rules, our expectations, the way that something is supposed to be done in order for it to work for us as an educator. Uh, but sometimes just letting kids slide a little bit. And that's not quite the right word, but just giving them a break. They're a kid. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think it's so much more complicated than that. Sure, sure. It, 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 it could be you're just having a bad day. It could be um, that particular student has, you are done, right? right. Yeah, they've pushed my last button. So they, that's why, I think that's why issues arise so yeah. frequently. There's so many moving parts. And we're just trying to do the best we can every day. Yes. I think... Uh, and you'll, you'll hear this in this next episode. It's already aired for those that are listening to this one. Uh, the episode before this talking with four educators that are expert that have spent their career doing their best. They said that administrators, good administrators recognize that teachers are professionals in their field and they trust them to do the job. And it sounds like that's what your would, number I one would, opinion yeah, is. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I always use the analogy. I think it was the game show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when you had they had Life the lifelines, right? Tra- One yeah. of them was Call a Friend, mm-hmm. and I remember that years ago. And I used to always think, oh my goodness, if you were an educator on the show, you have a whole building full of experts. <laughs> experts. <laughs> yeah, I still believe that. I think this building is full of experts, and collectively, we should be able to solve anything. Now there's barriers to that, right? Time is always the, I think time right now for all educators is the biggest barrier. We do not have enough time for whatever it is we need to do and do well. We don't have enough time, but they're, they're experts. Now, sometimes I understand perspectives. So even if a teacher or a department feels like, Hey, we're the experts in this particular area, this curricular area, you know, as an administrator, you might have to come in and go, I'm not questioning that. But let me help you understand a different perspective, which might mean we have to make a change here. Right. Because of legalities or whatever. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Do you think there's too much blame put on the state legislature or district leadership when it comes to policies and things that change? Yes, but I understand. In leadership, one of the things, one of the many things I've learned is I think human nature is we have a tendency we want to blame somebody for something Mm -hmm. and it makes us feel better. I think it helps us process, right? Like how did this happen? Well, you know, this legislature, this board member, you know, how did we get to where we are? How did we get where we are? (laughs) And I do it as much as anybody. I mean, I'm not judging anybody that does it. So I, I think, you know, the staff may have heard me say this before. I've, I had a really good coach in my youth that, would say control what you can control, right? He'd always remind us. And I've used that all throughout my life, not consistently yeah. as I should. Yeah. And so I try to, when the emotions subside of maybe a decision that's going to impact, uh, you know, my teachers, my students, when the emotion subsides, I go, okay, what can we still control? If we have to implement X, 
how do we make it our own? I always think about that. How do we make it fit Northridge, yeah. right? We still do this. We make it fit. So I get it. I do it. I just think the way to try to navigate it is, okay, how do we make it ours? Yeah. And I think with this leadership, with what you've stated is helping teachers own the thing that they're teaching, helping to develop courses, being open to the idea of new courses that can help students be more successful, uh, getting away from the idea that technology for technology's sake, is there a reason why we're doing what we're doing? Is it really going to help students better or is it just because? Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a big um, part of it. And when you bring up the technology thing, I've even had some difficulty, right? Because there was a big technology push in Davis District before COVID, mm -hmm. right? If you guys, if the staff remembers, 100% of your essential be curriculum Canvas, be yep. on Canvas, right? And it needs to be there, it needs to be there. And and every school was was pushing to do it. And then COVID hit and it was like, it was almost like, oh my gosh, like no, somebody knew this was coming and yep. we really need to be on Canvas. And then we come out of COVID and I'm learning, you know, I joke about the tree kill count. Sure a lot in the paper thing, but I, you know, I try to keep an open mind and learn from teachers too, that like, you know, technology is good, but kids need paper. Some kids need paper and pencil and yeah. paper and pen. And, and so now I feel like we're in this space of, I hope trying to figure out, all right, where does technology fit into my teaching? Where does, I don't know what you want to call it, good old fashioned paper to pencil yeah. and in whatever, you know, and, and any other way that we can get kids to demonstrate learning. To me, I've kind of got to this point where we need our students to demonstrate their learning. Mm -hmm. And I, I want my teachers to be pliable. Like, you know, they may not demonstrate in the first thing you give them. So yeah. what else are you going to give them? Well, that might be paper and pencil. Right. So the next iteration, the next version yeah. of that assignment. Yeah. If there was one thing that you can completely eliminate from school. And we've talked about this throughout the year. We've got parent teacher conferences. We've got, uh, it, obviously it couldn't be paper use or technology use, uh, but like end of level testing. Uh, and I'm sure there are more that you are aware of that teachers just don't think about because of how a school operates. If there was one thing that you could say, we're done, we're done. We're not doing it. You're, you're going to laugh. The first thing that comes to mind are dances. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Simply because student behavior yeah. gives me an anxiety level. Mm -hmm. uh, they're important. The kids have fun. I think that I think anymore in the social media world, providing them face to face social interaction yeah. becomes even more critical. But at the same time, um, <laughs> they're worse at face to face interaction. Yeah. But all kidding aside, um, I do. I wouldn't say eliminate. I do think we we have a tendency to assess and survey too much. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to fix that because on one hand, I think we need to do a better job of um, finding out what our students and their parents think of their experiences at Northridge, mm -hmm. because that helps us get better. And I would love to know more, but on top of all the other assessments and district surveys and state surveys, yeah. I never know like... Are we using this data? Do we squeeze this in? <laughs> These aren't, this, this is not asking the right questions. I'd like to create, you know, something that does. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't think assessments are important. I think assessments in the classroom are one of what I would call like the four biggest pieces that you should be doing daily yeah. with kids. Checking to see where they're at, what they yep. know, what they need next. Yeah. What do you do daily 
if it's daily, I'm not sure. What do you do to connect with students? I think uh, we think teachers are always seeing with their students every day. We know them, we see them, we know when they're not there. How much of your interaction or your job is interacting with students? What it, what do you do to connect with them? It's a great question. I, I think it's fair to go, how much of my job or how much do I wish my job? Um, I wish 95% of my job was connecting with kids, but the reality is it's not. Um, in fact, I've told people that days that I go home and I'm probably in one of the worst moods, if I pause and look back at my day, it's it's a day where I didn't get out of my office mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons and I wasn't around kids or I wasn't in the classrooms. So it, it rejuvenates me, first of all. If you're not rejuvenated by these <laughs> these what I call affectionately these knuckleheads mm-hmm. we have, you know, then check your heartbeat because they rejuvenate me every day. Yeah. Um, so things that, you know, things that I do is I, I just try to have conversations probably first and foremost. And it could be as simple as just saying hello. Um, I'll comment about shoes they're wearing, maybe a t-shirt they have on. I mean, always a go-to is how are, how are your grades? Yeah. How are grades going? The amazing thing is I've not have found a student yet that can lie through that. And mm-hmm. maybe it's because they know if I wanted to, I could go check, <laughs> but they're, they don't have very good poker faces. You can tell right away on the face yeah. where they are. And then we, we talk about what's going on or what's your favorite class? How come you're doing so good in this one? Not so good in that one, you know? And, and now obviously I always ask, well, are you going, you know, are you there? Yeah. Cause if you're not there, it's going to be pretty tough to be successful. Um, so we do that. I got some ideas for next year. Uh, we were going to start a multicultural, um, student council that the design is they're going to meet with me mm-hmm. and help me, um, get perspectives of what's going on in this building. You know, their experiences do that. Um, you know, next year, you know, we haven't announced all the names, but, um, we're going to have a bigger administrative team next year. That's by design. Um, and the design is hopefully with more individuals, it frees up a little more time for all of us sure. to increase that connection. You know, one of the frustrating things in our world is, you know, when something goes down at Northridge, a lot of administrators are locked down trying to sort sure. through it. And not that that's not important, but that time is taken away from being in the classrooms, connecting with kids, connecting with teachers, all those things that I wish were at the forefront every yeah. day. Speaking of, of uh, being visible, what do you wish teachers knew when you went into their classroom, whether it's an intentional observation or not? What a great question. Um, and maybe I answer that by what do I think good teaching is? Good teaching is first and foremost engaging. And engagement can be a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's an engagement with the whole class or individual engagement uh, good teaching means you should be assessing every day and assessment doesn't have to be as I think most teachers know a formal quiz. Um, but from day to day, do you know where those kids are, you know, in their learning Mm -hmm. process? Um, you know, good teaching, I think anymore has to be, is how do you make your curriculum relevant now? Yeah. Kids today, like we've talked about that a yeah. little bit throughout these episodes. Yeah, is if like it's got to be. You can't tell them someday you're going to need this. Uh, no, no, it's got to be relevant now. And then obviously, you better love kids. I mean, you 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 better love it or be really really good at fake. <laughs> so if you're hitting on all of those cylinders, you're good. Yeah, absolutely. Administrator in my opinion, steps in. Absolutely, you're they're not coming to check on you. They're coming to see what you're doing. Yeah, if you're hitting on those, you know, you're the curriculum expert. 
you know, as far as I'm concerned. And I, I know that we could spend a whole other podcast yeah. on, you know, who, who has their hands in the curriculum cookie jar because everyone seems to. But, you know, but those four things. Yeah. Where do you see education in 10 years with chat GPT, all of the AI art things, uh, parents thinking that they're not involved in their kids opportunity to learn, even though they should be in the art. <laughs> Where do you see it? I don't know other than the AI, we got to figure out how to embrace because mm -hmm. we're not going to be able to fight no. it and keep it out of the classroom. And I'll be honest, I don't know exactly what that looks like because I think it varies from curricular area to curricular area. Sure. But if we think we're going to stop AI out of our kids' hands and what uh, we're fooling ourselves. Um, so I, I think we need to I embrace that. Um, what I can tell you, and I, and I said this during COVID, you know, in, in when, when there was this big push for technology and I, I knew teachers that were worried, like, oh my gosh, we're just going to get pushed out of business, so to yeah. speak. And I said, not in our age group, never. Yeah. Because these kids, no matter if, how much technology you use, no matter what technology is in our future in 10 years, the demographic we have needs a loving, caring adult in that room that kids connect with. If there's anything COVID taught me, that that piece was even bigger than I thought. Yeah. That there were kids that, smart kids, motivated kids, that figured out how to navigate the COVID technology world. But the piece that was missing was that caring adult. And yeah. that'll never go away. Yeah, that's encouraging. <laughs> uh, what do you think, if there is anything that you could give to teachers, we're wrapping up the year. We've got a few weeks left. Uh, what is one thing you wish every teacher that you worked with knew, whether that's a personal comment or advice? I think if I could give every teacher something, um, it would be tools to connection. Some teachers are really, really good at it, and it comes naturally. And I, and I think there's a personality component. Sure. That, and I respect that and I understand that. Some people, it just is there. Some teachers have to really work at it. Um, I think the connection piece, the more um, I lead in education and the more experiences I have, I think the connection piece cannot be overestimated. Yeah. Uh, I'm learning it through looking at attendance. You know, these kids that miss six classes, but they go to one and they never miss it. And when you talk to them, it's some kind of connection. It's either a connection with the teacher or they have enough peers in that class that they'll go. And it's, I guess maybe what I'd say to teachers is don't ever underestimate the power of connecting. Yeah. Speaking of examples of what did you do to connect with students when you taught? Those nine years, what did you do? Oh, what another good question. I'll admit, I think things that I said and I did wouldn't be okay. <laughs> okay. The, not that they were awful. Sure, sure. I should be looking over my shoulder for law enforcement coming. But, you know, the, the world has changed. Let's yeah. just put it that way, right? The world has changed. And I look back at some of the things I said and did um, to try to connect with kids, kind of humor. Like, ooh, I don't, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, I was always really big and I don't, and no one even asked me to do it. I just did it, greeting them at the door. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was always in my hallway greeting them at the door. I think you can get a lot of connections from that. I've never been good at names still to this day. Yeah. It frustrates me. So it wasn't that I knew everybody's name, but 
throughout the year, I knew what they were doing, whether they were involved in a school activity or they had a job. And it's sure. like 10, 20 seconds of asking them a question. Um, you know, I say all the time, you know what their favorite baseball team is, their sure. favorite football team. And you can make jokes or ask them, you know, um, about that. And and then I, I tried really hard to make the classroom a place um, that was very collaborative and social. Uh, I was always worried in those days if an administrator comes in here right now, they're going to think this is a complete, right. you know, zoo going on in here. But that was the place I wanted them to be that they felt like, even if I don't like history or any of the other subjects that I taught, like I'm coming here because this is a place I like to be at. Yeah. So making it a place where people can communicate. Yeah. Be themselves. Yes. Share their interests. Those are, those are good words. And it makes me think, okay, how do I want to set up for next year? And I think, hopefully, I mean, we're tired and we're running down this year, but we do start to think throughout the summer and as August comes around again, what am I going to do differently to address a particular issue? How am I going to reach yeah. the kids? If I know that I, I had a handful of those kids that just never came, but I'd see them in the halls, how could I reach those kids? Maybe be proactive at reaching them pointing it out that they're there and making them feel welcome and showing that you appreciate their and, there. And I think it's hard because there are kids and teachers know this. They'll give you one shot. Yeah. And I'm not saying if you screw it up, but you know, yeah. I've talked to kids. Yeah. I went there a couple of times. I'm not going back. I'm like twice. You gave this teacher yeah. two opportunities, Yeah. <laughs> but they, some of them will do that. Yeah. Seeing how teachers interact with students and seeing some of those students, you know who the teachers are that the students have. What is it that kids are saying that teachers could do? Is it that they don't give them time to be on their phones? Is it what do the students need that the teachers aren't doing? Uh, not necessarily that. It, 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 that is such a good question. God, you asked some good questions, Dave. And this one's kind of hard to answer. Um, but really, all I can say is it's really this um, connection piece and the student feels valued um, in the classroom. Teachers that I talk to that are really good at it in three different schools where I've been an administrator, the one thing that seems to come out is they somehow know the student's story. And I'll be honest, I, I don't know if that's through a conversation. Sure. I don't know if that's through listening. When I was in the classroom, um, you know, I, I told you it was, you know, it was pretty social. Yeah. And when students would be be working, um, on their own, I'd sit at my desk and I couldn't believe the things they'd say with me sitting there, like not yeah. to me. Like, and I, and I used to joke like, do they know I'm sitting right, right here right. and I can hear this? And it ended up being, I loved it because I learned so much either about them personally or just their thoughts by the way they express themselves. Yeah. Um, and that's valuable information as an educator, right? You know, what you're dealing with, right? You know what the canvas is that you're going to yeah. have to try to paint on. And like, okay, I can get this kid's perspective um, a little bit. Um, so I would say no, and you know, somehow knowing their story a little bit. But I also tell teachers like, oh my goodness, be careful because some of these stories will break your heart. Yeah. And I've had teachers come to me like just in tears, like yeah. I can't believe. And I'm like, I know we love them so much. Sometimes they break our hearts for sure. Yeah. When it comes to education, when it comes to the profession of teaching, and administrators, a lot of times it feels like an us versus them, teachers versus administrators or the district or whatever. Is there a way to help teachers understand a, an administrator or team objective, what they're trying to accomplish? 
Yeah, I should probably first say, since I've been in administration, and this is my, dang, I have to do the math, 14th year, 15th year, anyway, um, I've never felt that way. I've never been in a building where it's like, oh my gosh, you know, draw the lines, it's teachers versus admin. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. I've never felt that way from my perspective. You know, maybe some of the teachers have felt different because um, I don't think it has to um, be that way within your building. You know, I'm I'm very much um, one of those I call it, you know, I don't know, this might sound political, sorry, but local control, meaning I think sure. we should do everything we can in our building to suit our kids best. Well, it gets complicated when you have school district directives or state directives, right? And that's mm -hmm. why I go back to, okay, how are we going to make this our own? I always try to frame it like, okay, we can do this, but we're going to do it this way for our right. our kids. Um, I think if we keep in mind what we have in common, we're all educators. I consider myself an educator. I consider all my assistants an educator. I consider John Miller an educator. We work in education. And what should we all have in common? We love and care about kids. Right. And if we can keep that in the forefront, in you know times of of disagreeing I, i've been able to even do that with parents from time to time it doesn't always work but, you know, can we all, seriously can we how do we make up a you what do we why are we talking about oh, this yeah. we just, are there any things that you could you know how yeah, send us off this yeah. year positive funny yeah. experiences a story something to just oh yeah it's all worth it it's it's frustrating but it's well good. i and not one comes to mind but those tailwind moments. Yeah. Um, those I, have been awesome. Yeah. I've used it before and, and another particular year and hats off to Northridge. I, when I've used it before, I, the experience wasn't like this one yeah. where I just think teachers are locating them, finding them, recording them, doc, you know, whatever in their head, documenting them, um, and, and sharing them because we have them. We have them every single day. I had one today. I wish I could remember the girl's name. Gosh, I'll try not to tear up over this, but she came up to me today and, um, oh my gosh, uh, her and her sister are going to be the first generation in her family to graduate high school. Wow. And that's what I said. Chills. I just got these goosebumps yeah. and, and she said that. And so she obviously recognized what a big deal it was. And I'm like, you know, that, that's a tailwind moment yeah. to me, right? Like she did it at Northridge high, you know, she's not going to graduate with honors. Right. She's not going to be up on the podium giving a speech, but it doesn't matter. She, she is to me, the trajectory of her family yeah. has just changed. Yeah. So what I would say at the end of the year, cling to those moments because we get exhausted, we're tired, we're frustrated, we're, you know, yeah. we're counting the days. Um, but I hope we don't get blinded by the cool things. The things that happen. But yeah. And maybe that it's why all of us are involved in graduation. Yeah. Being there. Big tailwind moment. Big tailwind moment. Yeah. Whether we remember everyone's names or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. It's been an awesome experience for me to talk with and learn from a bunch of teachers that I hadn't before. And uh, spoiler alert, warning, here it comes. We're going to continue this next year. Absolutely. So if you're if, willing to do it. Yeah, if absolutely. you're willing to do it, if you haven't been talked to, or even if you do, if something has changed or you have a story or perspective that uh, teachers can learn from, uh, watch for the next season. Thank you.